Well, friends, it's good to be with you this morning. My name is Adam. It's my joy to be one of the pastors here at our church. I want to shout out everybody who's also with us online or will experience this message through our website or our podcast later on this week. It was April of 2005, and it was around my birthday, April birthday here, and the pastor at the church I was working at took Sarah and I out to lunch. A little birthday lunch, that's nice. It was not a birthday lunch. At the end of lunch, Sarah, who was my girlfriend at the time, we were dating, we got back in the car and both said, did I just get fired? I think I just got fired. Not what you want. And uh, I should tell you, because I don't want you to be like, well, why did you get fired? I was not only a college student uh, about an hour away from the church, but I was also a resident assistant in the dorm. And so I just couldn't be there enough uh, to give the church what they needed. Uh, and so I found myself asking suddenly, uh, what do I do now? Maybe you've had a similar experience in terms of a unexpected career transition. Maybe as graduation approaches, you're like, what, what, what is it going to be next? Maybe you too have been terminated from a job or you've been affected by layoffs, or maybe there was a merger, or, or for whatever reason, your job changed significantly. There's a whole variety of other reasons we could be asking that question, what do I do now? Maybe you've been doing something for a long time and are feeling a nudge to move on, or maybe you've made it to glorious retirement. When it comes to career change, many of us have wondered, and if we haven't, we probably will, we've wondered, What's next? That has been the question that we've started 2024 by asking. Today we'll be looking at what's next after career change. So whether you work inside the home or outside the home, in the office or remotely, so much of our identity is tied to work. We devote a significant amount of time to working. We have a, a lot of our network of relationships and interactions are through our work. Even in kind of polite conversation or small talk, one of the most common questions to ask somebody is, well, what do you do? You may have had a time in your life where you didn't know how to answer that question, or maybe you wish you had a different answer. Especially if we've been at the same company or in the same career a long time, it can be jarring when that gets disrupted. I think one of the enduring images from the 20th century is the gold watch. You familiar with this tradition? After somebody's been in a company 20, 30, 40 years, when they retire, after decades of being there, they'd send you off into retirement with a swatch saying something like, you gave us your time and now we give you ours. Now that's a great ideal, but this has not been the norm since at least the 1980s. A study by the Employee Benefit Research Institute, oh yeah, they said over the past 40 or nearly 40 years, the median tenure of all wage and salary workers ages 25 and older has stayed at approximately five years. In other words, in my lifetime, the average stay at a job for people over 25 is five years. That's been relatively stable. And so this idea that we're gonna have one career path or work for the same company for decades, forever, is largely mythological. Another myth that we fall for is the myth that the value our work brings to us financially is synonymous with our value as a human being. That's another myth. That when we're passed over for a promotion or when we go for a different job with a higher salary and we, and we don't get it, 
we can understandably feel that this reflects on our value, not just as an employee, but as a person. And so we have the myth of permanence, that we're going to do the same job until we decide to retire on our terms. And we have the myth uh, of worth, that our salary is tied to our worth as a person. What I hope we'll discover together as we study God's word today is that your worth is infinitely more than your work. The book of James is one of my favorite books of the Bible. It comes from the second half of the Bible called the New Testament, and it was written by James. That's not a trick. <laughs> it's, it, it was who it says it was. Uh, James was the brother of Jesus and is writing to a Christian community as their pastor. And a lot of things about the Bible are uh, difficult or mysterious or they require a lot of work to interpret. I like James because it's pretty straightforward. James has a lot to say about when we get ahead of ourselves and the mistakes we make when we push God to the sidelines of our lives and we think that we're self-sufficient. So this theme is going to shine through as we read our scripture and we see some instructions from James when it comes to careers. So we're going to re be reading from James 4, verses 13 through 15. We read, now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. So we have this preferred concept of permanence, and that's just not the case at all. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen tonight. I'm freaking out. <laughs> so if you've experienced career disruption, I would consider that the norm, not the exception. I just wanted someone to tell you that. I don't think that this verse that we read in James is about not working hard or that work is bad. That earning a living is somehow uh, non-suboptimal. I think what we'll see is what James is trying to get us to understand is that we should acknowledge God in all things continuously and, and not just check in with God once a week, literally go about our business for the next seven days and then repeat the following week later. One biblical scholar called this the sin of presumption, that we think God's just going to keep rolling out the red carpet for us like this all the time. That's really been the theme of this whole series, What's Next? That life comes at you fast and that God is over and above and working in all the circumstances of our lives and that we should acknowledge and honor God at every step along the way. And so James continues to build his case, and here is some straight talk. And after the first service, I decided I'm going to try and read this in a cheery voice. Here we go. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Now, does that strike you as harsh? It doesn't because it's true, right? I actually find this comforting, that the weight of the world is not on our shoulders, that it's in God's hands, not ours. And it gives voice to the reality of mortality, that life is short. The Greek word used for mist here is atmos. That's where we get the word atmosphere. Life is thin. It's like air. It's subject to outside forces. And this isn't the only time in the Bible that human life is described with this imagery. In the first half of the Bible called the Old Testament, in the book of Hosea, we read that therefore they will be like the morning mist, like the early dew that disappears. So friends, we need to detach ourselves from the myth of permanence and instead attach ourselves to God's guidance. All right? 
Well, how do we do that? So James has told us what not to do, and then he contrasts that, beginning with the word, instead. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. And so our worth and our purpose comes from God, not from how well we carry on business or make money. It's from following God's will that we find our purpose. And when we look to God for our worth and our purpose, we can be sure of God's trustworthiness. As James said earlier in this same letter, that God does not change like shifting shadows. Human permanence is a myth. God's permanence is part of the foundation of our faith. So that's how we look beyond our own plans for life. We don't even know what is gonna happen tomorrow. We walk in step with God to secure our future and define our worth. Jesus said as much in Matthew 6. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And so Jesus says these concerns aren't unimportant, but we got to put things in order. And you are worth more than many sparrows, Jesus says in another place. And so James 4, in my view, is not a critique of work. It's a warning against pushing God to the sidelines of our lives. And we can make grand plans for ourselves, but they rarely turn out the way we, we, that we would script them. Instead, we should seek first God's righteousness. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. And so the question then becomes, in the midst of career change, how do we understand or know what God's will is? How do we look for it? I'm fortunate enough to know several folks from our church who have navigated career change with guts and grace. I'm excited to introduce you to them. This is my friend Caroline. She's not only a, a neighbor of ours, but a, a great friend. Our, our families are great friends. And I believe... One of the girls came in with the Steve Bono jersey on today. So Carolyn's a true OG. She was an athletic trainer, and then she worked at home uh, once her, her two daughters were in their lives and during their early childhoods. And now she's starting a new entrepreneurial chapter as a health coach. So she's had multiple career changes. This is my friend Blake. After working as an electrical engineer for over 25 years, this is his first year as a classroom teacher in the North Kansas City District. Talk about a big change. I love this picture so much. It's my first day at school. If it wouldn't be weird, I would put that on my fridge. I just think it's amazing. I asked them, Blake and Carolyn, what were their concerns in changing careers? And I think a lot of us can relate. Carolyn said she worried there, there just wouldn't be enough of her to go around to do multiple jobs well. I think a lot of us know that feeling. But she said now that she took the leap, she said it just seemed so difficult and she was, until she was just really into it, once she actually got going and then it felt very natural. Blake said he was a little worried about what his family and friends would think. Turns out they all thought it was a great idea. I asked them what reassurance they got through their process of career change. And Carolyn compared this change to the feeling she had when she went from an athletic trainer to being at home, working in the home. And, and she said she had that same nudge for this new season. Blake said that when I finally asked God to put me where I should be, I was totally at peace. 
I didn't worry about where I would end up. I knew it would be the right thing. And so I asked them what guidance they had along the way for folks that are in the same phase or will be in the same phase. What advice would they have for us? Carolyn said she's still so new she wasn't sure she should give advice. But I was like, well, I got to say something in the sermon, so help me out. Uh, She said she leans into God and that in these moments of feeling like an imposter, I remember I am known and loved and I'm working for him. Blake said to listen to that tiny voice inside you that's trying to nudge you in the right direction. It's easy to get too busy and overwhelmed where you can't hear that voice. We're gonna see that theme come up again. Also, he said, if you're doing what God wants, nothing else can top that. So you don't need to worry about how it will turn out. And so I wanna say specifically, for those of us that might be approaching a, a point of graduation or you're in school right now, or maybe you've just entered the workforce, if you think you're gonna do this one thing the rest of your life, odds are, That's a myth. And I wanted somebody to tell you, you don't have to have it all figured out right now, that it's all right. I also wanted to speak to a big part of our community of unlikely friends that are retired. And that's a bit of a graduation of its own, isn't it? I want to introduce you to my friends Brian and Joyce. Brian recently retired from education. And he was my son's principal at Kearney Elementary. Joyce retired from decades in nursing and she's on staff at our church. Both of them retired after long careers in their field. Uh, Doing anything for three decades has an effect on a person. Both of them said when it came to retiring that financial realities were a legitimate concern. And, And Brian wondered, what will it look like after you let go of everything you have accomplished? Both Brian and Joyce dedicated themselves to serving other people. Now the good news is that doesn't have to end just because you retire. Joyce and Brian were both reassured that God would be with them in this new phase. And they both embraced opportunities not only to spend more time with family, but also they had more margin now for things that were truly important to them. Joyce, and if you know Joyce, this is just classic. She said to go from working full time to no time is a big adjustment. After about six weeks, the joy of not having to get up at a certain time and no demand on your time gets old. So after about a month, Joyce is like, all right, what am I doing? And she, she started, like I can't even name all the ministries she helped start here. When I said she's on staff, that means she volunteers so much and she's in charge of so much, we treat her like a staff person, but she doesn't get paid. She's an incredible person. I'll just tell you one more thing about Joyce. I, uh, she had a relative who was in the hospital and I went to go see her. And when we were working out when I should come by, she said, well, come by 1.30 because I'm still gonna go do my volunteer desk job in the lobby at the hospital. So she left a room her loved one was in to still go volunteer like she does every week. Incredible. I asked Brian what advice he would have for someone who is in or will be in this next phase. And he quoted Philippians 4. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your request to God. And then he said, plan the best you can. Look at all of your options. Talk to those who have gone before you and then simply ask God, what's in store for me next? The answer will not just come to you. God brings notice to things and you begin to see and hear all the things around you that you would have otherwise missed in the chaos of your daily grind. That sounds like what Blake said too, that we can get so wrapped up in the day-to-day, it can be hard to identify or hear God's voice. 
I'm very grateful for amazing folks like Carolyn, Blake, Joyce, and Brian, not only for their willingness to let their pastor bug them and talk about them publicly, but also, even more than that, I'm grateful for their example. We all will inevitably have to face the question, what's next when it comes to work? And they have navigated these changes with grace, courage, and excellence. Friends, and with God's help, you will too. Change is not only normal, it's inevitable. And even when you're retired, that doesn't mean your work is done. That's why it's good news that our careers may change, but God's love for us does not. So let's not buy into the myth of permanence or that our salaries determine our value. Your worth is infinitely more than your work. I believe God's will for us is to connect our gifts and our calling to serve others well. And my prayer for us is that we wouldn't be miserable at work. I don't think that's what God wants for us, to be miserable, but that our work would be fulfilling, that we could find joy in what we do, in how we serve others. Now, I don't think that means work won't be hard or that it'll be 100% amazing and stuff you love all the time, but I do think that we can each land in a place or strive to be landing in a place where we're using the gifts God has given us to serve others in ways that are meaningful to us. I believe that's God's will and that that could look a lot of different ways. It doesn't have to be one steady thing your whole life, especially when our plans disappear like the morning mist. And so if you are at a place where you have encountered career change, voluntarily or otherwise, I'm very excited to debut a tool, debut a tool a long time in the making that I hope will aid you in, 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 in your search for God's will. After I was let go from that worship leading job at a church, I, I was like, well, what am I doing now? And so I took a summer internship at a church in St. Louis. Like I said, Sarah and I had just started dating and uh, I didn't want to screw that up. And I thought, well, if I'm close, that will help. <laughs> so that's what I did. I was supposed to be at that church for 10 weeks, and I was there for 10 years. And at that church, at a staff event, I was uh, exposed to, I, was, I, I, was, uh, I had the joy of experiencing a process by Gallup called StrengthsFinder, and it just had a massive impact on my life. It changed everything for me because it allowed me to take time to reflect intentionally on how God had gifted me and then how I could connect my calling with those gifts. How I could serve others using the things God had given me. Not worried about what I lacked, but instead, how can I use what I have? And so since 2015, I've helped thousands of people through this process. And I've partnered uh, as a pastor with the Missouri Annual Conference. That's this um, collective of all the Methodist churches in Missouri. And we put together a free online course. And so this will walk you through taking an assessment uh, from Gallup and, and reflecting on how can you look for God's will through your gifts? What are meaningful ways that, you've, that you serve? And how can we connect your gifts and your call together? And so to get signed up, just shoot me an email or you, I'm gonna be standing right down here after service. I think I'm the only person wearing a scarf indoors so we can find each other. Um, so this is my email address. And, and just shoot me a note. You can just say sermon, uh, online course, whatever, because it's, gonna, it's more instructions than I want to give you 
uh, here in the sermon. You're going to create an account with this online course. We're going to get you hooked up with the assessment. And friends, it might not provide the answer, but man, I sure hope that it can prov help provide some clarity for you. So if you're wondering, how can I grasp for God's will in my life? This is a tool. It's, uh, it's a series of, of five kind of eight to 15 minute videos, and it walks you through what I have found to be a life-giving process. And so I'm super excited that we can do that together. Friends, life does not often go like we would script it. We can make all the plans in the world, but ultimately, the best plan is to seek first and to follow God's will. Your job may change, your career may shift, your season of life may turn, but remember that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, a child of God, and that your worth is infinitely more than your work. And everybody said, amen. amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this chance to be together in your presence. And I ask that as we, as we worship, you would give us that which we need from you this morning. Whether that's reassurance or peace or guidance. That for those of us in the midst of some type of career change, we would know that we don't walk alone. God, help us to identify the gifts which come from you and the call you've placed on our lives that doesn't just have to look one way, but that can look an almost infinite number of ways as we seek to use our gifts to serve others. God, help us to keep your will and your kingdom and your righteousness at the forefront, not on the back burner so that we would get things in the right order. That instead of saying, well, here's my five-year plan, or here's my 20-year plan, each and every day we would say, if it's, if it's your will, then we'll follow it. God, we place our futures, our careers, our well-being in your hands. Give us hearts that seek your will and the courage to do it. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.